Have you ever wondered why you can sound pretty good the day before an audition or performance and even feel pretty confident backstage warming up, but then sound like a totally different person when it actually counts? Everyone experiences this gap between performance and practice. So it's totally not just you. Part of the problem is that our practice tends to be skewed heavily towards learning rather than performing, which can help us sound pretty good in the practice room, but this level of playing doesn't always transfer to the stage, where you have to get something right the very first time when the adrenaline has kicked in. If you've wished you could feel more confident on stage and perform more consistently at the level you know you're capable of, or if you've wanted to help your students have a more positive experience on stage, but haven't been quite sure how to make that happen, starting Tuesday, June 18, I'll be teaching a live, online, accelerated two-week class on the most essential mental skills that can make the biggest difference in your practicing and performing. We'll meet twice a week via Zoom and work on a range of exercises and techniques in four essential psychological skill areas together as a group. And to make sure the ideas don't just stay in your head, but actually become consistent habits, I'll show you how to gently integrate these new skills into your or your students' daily practice in manageable, bite-sized pieces alongside a cohort of supportive practice buddies from around the world. Registration is open now through Sunday, June 16 at 11.59 p.m. Pacific. Over 1,500 musicians, educators, and students and learners of all ages have participated in the course already. You can find out what alumni are saying and sign up to join Cohort 18 at bulletproofmusician.com essentials. This is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Podcast. Every Sunday morning, we'll take a look at a new research-based tip or technique to help you practice more effectively or perform better under pressure. And on the first Sunday of every month, I'll have a guest from the music, sport, or research world who will share their insights on how we can all be a little more awesome in the practice room and on stage. I don't know if there's some sort of composer's handbook which says that concertos should start out with a technical challenge to mess with you when you're the most nervous and shaky, but whether it's a bunch of octaves in a row, a series of consecutive tenths, or a ginormous shift to a really high note, many concertos do make it challenging to create a great first impression. Such was the case for Joshua Bell, as he performed Lalo's Symphony Espanol at the 1980 Stuhlberg International String Competition. Being only 12 years old at the time, and in his first competition to boot, he totally messed up the big shift in the opening. In his words, quote, worse than I ever could have imagined. However, despite making a less than stellar first impression, he managed to recover and ended up winning third prize that year. Whether it's recovering from a rough start to a competition, or bouncing back from a subpar excerpt in an audition, how does one become more the kind of person who is capable of winning an audience back? rather than losing them as things spiral downhill. Well, there are a number of factors involved in this kind of resilience under pressure, but a Canadian research team was curious to see how perfectionism might affect one's performance after experiencing failure. Because as it turns out, perfectionism is actually a little more interesting and complex than you might think. How so? Well, researchers have found that there are aspects of perfectionism that are pretty clearly negative and detrimental to performance and mental health, but that there are also aspects that could potentially be useful or, quote, positive. For instance, perfectionistic concerns is the dark side of perfectionism. This is where you worry constantly about messing up, 
or are afraid people will lose respect for you if you don't play perfectly, or are always getting down on yourself for failing to live up to the impossibly high standards that you've set for yourself. Sometimes known as failure-avoiding perfectionism, this is a type of perfectionism that tends to lead to burnout, anxiety, depression, fear of failure, and a lack of motivation. The more adaptive or useful aspect of perfectionism is known as perfectionistic strivings. This is where you set very high, but not unattainable performance standards, and do your best to find ways of reaching the bar that you've set for yourself. Sometimes known as excellence-seeking perfectionism, this tends to be associated with greater intrinsic motivation and being more concerned with mastering a skill than winning or just being better than other people. It's not like people are purely one type of perfectionist or the other, as we all tend to have some aspects of both. But the researchers wondered if athletes' ability to bounce back from performing poorly might depend on what kind of perfectionist they are. They recruited 99 collegiate varsity-level athletes and organized a putting competition with a bit of money at stake. When the participants came to the lab, they completed a perfectionism assessment followed by two practice putts. And then it was time to compete, one-on-one against a competitor, by taking 10 putts from a variety of distances away from a target. The putting surface was set up so that they could see their competitor, but they couldn't see how well the competitor was doing, which is important because this competitor was actually one of the research assistants and totally in on the deception. Wait, what deception, you're wondering? Well, to create the illusion of failure, no matter how well or poorly the participant did on the putting challenge, when the scores were added up and posted on the scoreboard, the researchers always gave the fake competitor a score that was 17% better than the participants. That way, the real participant was always guaranteed to lose the first round to their competitor. Not by so much that it wasn't possible to make up the difference in the second round of putts and ultimately win the competition, but just enough that they'd experience a bit of pressure to up their game. And then it was time for the second round of 10 putts. So, which type of perfectionists bounced back from failure and performed most effectively in the second round? Well, the results suggest that there's actually an interesting interaction of the two types of perfectionism that seems to be associated with better performance. So what does interaction mean exactly? Well, the athletes who had high standards of excellence but were not especially concerned with avoiding failure tended to perform better after learning that they had lost the first round. But the athletes who had high standards of excellence and were very much concerned with messing up tended to perform worse after learning that they had failed in the first round. So what are we to do with this info? The author suggests that the answer isn't to lower your standards per se, but to accept failure as part of the process. In other words, to accept that no performance or audition is going to be 100% perfect, and to strive not for perfection on stage, but excellence, learning to be at peace with the reality that you'll miss a couple notes here and there, that your bow might shake a smidge, that you might chip a note, and that your articulation will be a little muddled in spots, and that none of these things are the end of the world. Because when you go backstage after the standing ovation, or you listen to your audition tape after having been offered the job, you'll discover that your winning performance was actually not perfect. Pretty darn good, perhaps? Excellent, even. Maybe even pretty awesome. But not perfect. So maybe the key to redeeming yourself after a poor start is less about making some heroic effort to overcome the mistake by trying to will yourself to play better than is humanly possible, but simply to play the way you play, 
trust that this will resonate with your listener and refuse to get sucked into the self-critical, you can't afford to screw this up type of perfectionism that makes your performance quickly spiral to the bad place. Or in food terms, to focus on performing in such a way that you create something delicious, not exact, to sort of, but not exactly quote, Chef David Chang. You can find links to this week's study and other resources like practice hacks and the audition cheat sheet at bulletproofmusician.com slash blog. And if you found the episode helpful, please share it with a friend or practice buddy who you think might also enjoy experimenting with this during the coming week. 